Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Akun Wong and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me as always is Trevor Stores from the Full Press Coverage and Raptor District. Hey Trev, how was your Halloween? It was pretty quiet. Um, you know, since Halloween this year is on a Sunday, it's celebrated right. all week up until Sunday. So when it gets here, it's like... Uh, already hung over. Candy, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So... It's pretty unexpected, though. But also, at the same time, I saw a lot of people got out and celebrated in the week. We couldn't do that last year because of COVID, so that was cool. Yeah, that was kind of cool. Yeah, and I, I was kind of, and I know we were talking about this pre-show, but it's like, it's a Sunday, so it makes it kind of like, uh, you know, I mean, like, kind of hard to party into the evening when it's Sunday. And uh, I saw some towns had, like, curfew for kids up to, you know, up to 10, uh, 10 years old should be 11 p.m., a special curfew. I'm like... 11 p.m. on a Sunday, I kind of feel like a 10-year-old should probably be in anyway. But anyway, that's, what do I know? <laughs> it just seems like I, the one positive outcome of that is that since no one came around to trick-or-treat at my place, essentially, I have a crap load of candy left over to eat. So I got that brings me to my uh, – I got to ask, you know, Trev, what's your favorite candy, man? Candy would have to be the Kit Kat bar. Ah, yes. Give me a break. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And Kit Kat is my number two because I'm a huge – Reese's Peanut Butter Cup fan, but hey, I don't mind mixing and matching, you know. Bring me bone of oats. I love that. The only thing I can't I can't get, and I have to ask you this question because I just don't get it, all those candy bars for Halloween, they say fun size on it. Like, who in the world, what kid thinks that fun size is a one-inch candy bar? There's just no way. Exactly. That, you know what? Right? What's up with that? It should be like a 30-inch candy bar. Size. That's fun size. Yeah. That's, a, that's not a fun size. No, no, it's not a fun size at all. It's fun to throw it at people. It's definitely not fun to eat it. Anyway, we got we got plenty to talk about today, including Aaron Rodgers getting COVID, Michael Thomas's new ankle injury, Derrick Henry's injury, OBJ's future in Cleveland, Henry Ruggs' horrifying DUI, the Washington football team over the bye week, and a preview of Week Nine NFC East matchups as well as fantasy football implications, and so much more. Woo! It's a packed episode today. Let's get this rolling. All right, let's start with Aaron Rodgers. So the Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers tested positive for COVID-19, is unvaccinated, and will miss this weekend's game against the Kansas City Chiefs, which was, to say the least, pretty surprising. First of all, Rodgers said in August that he had already been, quote, immunized, but it turns out that he only received some alternative homeopathic treatment that he thought would increase his antibodies, and he did not actually get vaccinated. Then, Since training camp opened in late July, Rodgers had not been publicly observed to be following any of the obvious protocols for unvaccinated NFL players, such as daily testing and mask wearing, as agreed upon this summer by the NFL and NFL Players Association. In addition, an an unvaccinated player is not allowed to gather in a group of more than three players, coaches, and other members of staff, which Rodgers clearly did not follow including during his own Halloween party in which he was parting of teammates dressed as John Wick, which, by the way, he had a pretty sweet costume, but eh, violating COVID protocol is not so great. Anyway, NFL is currently reviewing the situation, the Packers, per a league statement on Wednesday afternoon, and they have the ability to find players at least $14,650 on the first offense 
of violating COVID-19 protocols with a maximum of $50,000. Plus, since it's the responsibility of the team to enforce these protocols, the Packers may also be fined. We've already seen the Raiders and the Saints be fined a half million dollars each and be stripped of draft picks. So, Trevor, with all that said, what do you think about Aaron Rodgers' uh, behavior here? What do you think NFL should do about this, anything? Um, well, first of all, excuse me, his behavior is surprising but not surprising. Um, <laughs> it's surprising right. because you would think as much as this game means to him, as much as he says it means to him, he would do what it takes to, in order to keep that success he's having to play in the game that he loves. But right. I'm not surprised because it's Aaron Rodgers and this is what he does. That's right. He thinks he, he just <laughs> – can run the world himself and do things on his own without any backlash or any consequence. So, um, but I'm yep. just like, I can't believe like you got up there and lied pretty much straight up <laughs> lied to right. your friends, your family, your fans, your organization, your, your boss, your colleagues, like you lied to the entire world. Yep. And now you're, now you're busted. So I think that, and you can't tell me that. <laughs> nice. You can't tell me that Matt LaFleur had no idea. I really don't appreciate him answering the question about that's a question for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, it is, but you're also his his head coach. You're the re, like you're responsible for him being on the field. Like, so it, it doesn't just affect Aaron Rodgers; it affects you too, Matt LaFleur, and the Packers organization as a whole. And I think the NFL right. should go ahead and start doing doing some punishment, start yep. handing out some fines, taking some draft picks. A half million dollars is a lot of money, maybe not that much, but definitely some kind of conflict which should take place. Yeah, yeah, I think that, you know, quite frankly, $50,000 fine to Aaron Rodgers is a drop in the bucket for him. So at minimum, they should do that. They should probably have him do some, I don't know, some 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 public service messages or something, some sort of work here to make up for this. Because quite frankly, like, I don't know. he could have been passing this around, you know? I mean, that's exactly. the thing. He, he endangered the rest of his, his teammates. And I think that's the biggest egregious thing. You know, Aaron Rodgers, you can do whatever you want to do in your own private life, but you will actually work with a lot of other people. And those other people are your uh, colleagues and friends and people who count on you. And if uh, you're endangering their health, that's not cool. Even though you have a wicked John Wick outfit, because he did make a good John Wick. I, I mean, I hate him, but great costume, great costume, exactly. Rogers. <laughs> All right, that's enough of that. Let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and hit the boxing bell on that one and move on to the next one. Let's talk about Michael Thomas's new ankle injury because the whiteout announced Wednesday he would not return for the 2021 season after a setback and rehab from off-season ankle surgery, as well as suffering a new separate ankle injury. Thomas wrote, quote, as many of you know, early last season, I injured my ankle and worked extremely hard over the next few months to get back in time to finish the season. Unfortunately, the rehab didn't go as planned. And earlier this offseason, it was apparent I would need to have a procedure to repair the injury. Since then, the team and I have worked diligently day and night to rehab and get me back on the field. Unfortunately, there's been another small setback, which we will have to address. To my displeasure, I will not be able to make it back in time for this season. We'll do everything in my power to get back to the player I have always been. So Michael Thomas now out for the season, the New Orleans Saints sitting at five and two, Trevor, what do you think about this injury to Michael Thomas? Will he stay a Saint next year? And what's the impact of the New Orleans Saints this year? Um, what we've seen so far, the impact of him not being there is really not that big of a deal. They're five and two. <laughs> right, um, right. Even with Jameis Winston as the quarterback and then uh, his replacement. Trevor Simeon. Yeah, thank you. Slipped my mind for a second. Trevor Simeon. Yeah. So they're doing fine without him. They did fine without him last year too, pretty much. So I mean, it is what it is. 
It sucks yeah. that he got an, another ankle injury and also he had a setback due to uh, the surgery on his previous ankle injury. Right. It's really, it's just sad that he can't get back to doing what he loves to do. But um, I don't I do not think he'll be a saint next year. Uh, you can just kind of tell right. in Sean Payton's tone of voice and everything he talks about with Michael Thomas that he's pretty much fed up with everything that has to do with Michael Thomas. So I think right. that relationship is coming to an end. Um, yep. Yep. So, yeah. And then, yeah, that's, that's that. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with all that. And I think that, you know, quite frankly, who would have thought that, you know, one year ago we were talking about Drew Brees throwing to Michael Thomas, and now we're talking about Trevor Simeon throwing to Marquez Calloway. I mean, that – whoa, man. What? But hey, five two, you know numbers. <laughs> so, <laughs> although I guess they, I guess uh, we have uh, Taysom Hill coming back, so there's the possibility that they might try to Taysom Hill experiment all over again and put him behind center. Uh, who knows how that will work out? I'll let Trevor, I'll let Trevor rock until he shows he couldn't do it. Like that's not, yeah. that's not that fair, you know. Yeah, I, I agree with what that. He is a utility player, not a quarterback. So yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with all that. And then, quite frankly, they still have Alvin Kamara, who is uh, among one of the best in the uh, in the biz. So who knows what will happen here? I think the Saints will be fine. They obviously didn't work with Michael Thomas. I agree with you. He won't be back. They're probably fed up with all he's done in the offseason and into this season. So, hey, I'd love to get him on the Bears, and I'm sure you guys would love to get him in Washington. Well, so <laughs> First, before we can talk any other position on offense. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. well, there's a lot of things. Anyway, We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that because yeah, there's a lot to talk about in terms of Washington football. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and hit the boxing bell on that, and let's talk about the next one, and that's the Derrick Henry's injury. Um, shockingly, after week eight, the mm. Titans placed Derrick Henry on IR and announced that he would require foot surgery, which he had on Wednesday, and his return has been placed in the six- to ten-week time frame, which is approximately week 14 to week 18. So I guess there's a possibility, uh, a good likelihood he gets back for the playoffs, assuming the Titans actually make it. In the meantime, the Titans have assigned uh, Adrian Peterson and Deontay Ooh. Foreman, formerly of the Houston Texans, to fill the gap along with Jeremy McNichols, who has been on the field for passing downs. So, Trevor, what are your thoughts on how the Titans' backfield will shake out, and how does this impact the Tennessee Titans this season? Um, it definitely impacts them majorly. Um, that's, I mean, he was there. He was the Tennessee Titans. No offense to Ryan yeah. Tannehill. He's going to play action, but he was the Tennessee Titans. It's kind of weird when you found out because it's like it's kind of has he kind of put it in everybody's head that he's not supposed to get injured like he's such right. a beast he I can know. run through anything and everything it's like oh he's injured and it's a serious injury? I know no like I know no. so uh, but hey shout out Adrian Peterson one time he's still got gas left in the tank he's motivated um, he still can bust through some people too he's still got a little cut action I mean he's still he's gonna fair in age but he can still do it and. Signing as a Freeman, that helps take the load off of Adrian Peterson because he's up there in age. Like I said, you can't just take the carries as Derrick Henry, as many carries as Derrick Henry would have taken. So right. the backfield's not right. the same, but I think they'll be okay just enough to maybe uh, make it to the playoffs and then get in time for Derrick Henry to come back and take him to the promised land, hopefully. So. Yeah, it would be interesting to see what happens because, you know, when, when Adrian Peterson, obviously Adrian Peterson not no longer in his heyday, um, you know, is 36 years old. Um, and if you look at what he did in Detroit, it was not inspiring. <laughs> it wasn't bad, right? I mean, yeah. he was he was fine. He was better for Washington football team. And then he kind of had like a slouching year, yeah, in, in Detroit. So we'll see how, right. he, how it, it's either going to be Washington, Adrian Peterson, or Detroit, Adrian Peterson. That's a good so. point. That's a good point. Because in Washington, he was averaging about 4.3 yards per carry. 
And uh, he went to Detroit and was down to about 3.9 yards per carry. And I think once you start slipping that low, you know, that's not really vintage Adrian, Adrian Peterson anymore. I mean, cr- throughout his career in Minnesota, he was averaging in the high fours, low fives uh, per carry, which is like, that's like superstar potential. But I'm willing to, I'm willing to sit with 4.3 yards per carry, 3.9, not, not as inspiring. And of course, I, I don't expect him to get any faster, but he's still Adrian Peterson. He's a veteran. Mm-hmm. He's likely to get all the early down work. But then, you know, what about Deontay Foreman? You know, I, I, he was what one time seemed to be the future of the Houston Texans backfield playing with Lamar Miller. And, of course, mm-hmm. injuries derailed that career. And, of course, Jeremy McNichols looked great on passing downs and carrying the ball. You know, he's actually hadn't had many carries, but he looked really good on the field. I mean, he looked very spry, very agile, and uh, obviously great hands in terms of passing downs. So, you know, I don't think this is going to be a one-for-one where Adrian Peterson steps in here. But any thoughts on uh, Foreman or McNichols? Yeah, I, I like the signing of Foreman because, like you said, he was once the man in Houston, kind of, you know, lost a little bit, but now he has a chance to re, re, uh, rehabilitate, like, research his career. So, yeah, and he can take yeah. the load off of Adrian Peterson. And they need somebody to, to catch the ball in the backfield with McNichols as well. So, I, I mean, it won't be the same, but it brings, it brings something. There's something there. You know what I mean? Yeah. I agree. I agree. I, I mean, I, obviously, I think the, the ultimate impact is that um, Ryan Tannehill's just going to have to throw more, and he, they're yeah. going to have to get Julio Jones healthy, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Jones and Brown are going to have to start picking it up. You know, it's, it's not going to be like feed Derrick Henry uh, in crunch time anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you're right. Yeah, you're right, man, though. I never thought Derrick Henry could be injured. I mean, it's just one of those things where you look at it and you're like, holy crap, that guy can get hurt? <laughs> what? <Yeah. laughs> he seems indestructible. Exactly. It's just it's just weird. <laughs> and then so their game on Sunday against the Rams, I guess, would be an actual true telltale of how the back was going to shape up against an elite defense of the Rams. So Yes. Yeah. You know, if, yes. if they're gonna make it to the Super Bowl or in the postseason, this is a very good test early on to see if they can handle it without Derrick Henry if that's possible. I agree. And it will be a real test now. Um, you know, it's, oh, yeah. you know, the Von Miller going oh, to the Rams. Yeah, Woo! So oh. that's going to be a good game. That's going to be a I love good it. game. I'm really looking forward to that one. I agree. It's going to be really good. All right, let's hit the boxing bell on that one. And let's uh, talk about one of our sponsors, Manscaped. And Manscaped, support for FGT. That's football garbage time brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer at Lawnmower 4.0, which Trev and I have because we love fourth-generation trimmers, right? I mean, that's just our thing. It's a, yeah, you know, if it's not fourth generation, I say just forget it. But since this is a fourth generation trimmer, go get it. It's 20% off, free worldwide shipping with the code GARBAGETIME at manscaped.com. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code GARBAGETIME at manscaped.com. All right, let's get on and talk about OBJ. Oh, my goodness. So, Odell Beckham Jr. So, Odell Beckham Sr., his father, publicly slammed quarterback Baker Mayfield in an 11-minute, 24-second video highlighting the times where OBJ was open and Mayfield didn't throw in the ball. And then Beckham himself officially requested a trade prior to the Tuesday deadline. Obviously, that didn't happen. And now, finally, the two sides are working toward a split. Uh, There's been some report that the Browns are prepared to keep Beckham on their roster for the remainder of the season and only excuse him from all team activities, sort of a la uh, Deshaun Watson, I suppose. But, you know, hey, I, I, I can't imagine there are a lot of supporters in that locker room anymore, although they did ask Baker Mayfield, and Baker Mayfield said that he, you know, doesn't, he's not angry. He was surprised. 
Uh, I think there's going to be some mending to do if uh, Beckham stays there. And even, uh, and even uh, LeBron James has piped up and said, well, Beckham should dwell spot, and he'll show how great he is again. So his days in a Browns uniform may be numbered. What do you think here, Trev, about the Browns and OBJ? Should they split with him? And if they do and he goes, where do you think he should go? I mean, this is, this is the weirdest situation right now because it's not like OBJ did anything that he would do when he was playing in New York. You know, he wasn't right. vocal about his his whatever and on the playing field. Um, his dad kind of stuck his nose in his business where he probably shouldn't have been and then kind <laughs> right. of ignited Thanks, this, this beef. I mean, there wasn't a, a true connection between them anyway from the get-go. Right. Um, but this just adds fuel to the fire and – it feels like they're treating him like a like a little ten year old kid, nine year old kid. Like put him in a timeout. Like you can be on the team, but you just can't hang out with anybody. You can't do yeah. anything with the team, but you're <laughs> right. on the team. So it, and it's kind of odd that you didn't trade him for anything. I mean, it could have been right. like a compensatory, like a compensatory pick or whatever, like something that really, yeah. really counts. Yeah. It didn't exactly. even do that. And then so then the next day it's like, all right, you just have to stay home. Stay home, stay home. But we still want you on the team, but stay home. Doesn't make any sense. Let the let the man go. Let him continue to latch on somewhere else and play the game that he loves. That's all he's there to do anyway is play football. And right. he's not being allowed to play football is what it essentially comes down to. So his days are not, his days are done in Cleveland, I think. Just let him go. Just release him. And if he doesn't yeah. sign on anywhere, that's fine. He can sit at home, train, get super healthy, and he'll be on a, a squad next offseason. I guarantee it. So yeah, just let him I go, agree. man. Just release him. Yeah, and then where would you? Where do you think he should land if he goes? I mean, if he goes Ooh. and tries to where Philly contender? Uh, no, not Philly. Washington football team, of course. Oh. <laughs> If of it's course. there. But if not, um, I wouldn't be surprised him going down to Tampa Bay. I yeah. mean, you never wow. know. If That'd they release something. him right now and then they, they could sign him right now or they could just rock with whatever until the offseason when he's a free agent and sign him then. Um, wow. Yeah, I could see Tampa Bay, ridiculous. LA Rams, you know. They've got a lot of Whoa. money up there. So right. New England, you never know. Mac Jones. Yeah, I love that. That makes a lot of sense. New England. That makes sense to me. Uh, yeah, because the Mac Bears. Jones doesn't have a lot of targets. Oh, I love the Bears. That would be great. But I can only yeah, imagine how more Alan dysfunctional Robinson. we can get. I know, <laughs> yeah. but if you, you got to get Nagy out of there. But if you want to keep Allen Robinson and have somebody Justin Fields mm-hmm. throw to besides them, OBJ yeah. is nice fit there. I love that. Um, I love that. So, yeah, Arizona, A.J. Green's getting old, you know. I'm just saying, like, there's there's people out there. There's places he can easily go to to be number one, number two receiver. So Absolutely. And don't forget the Let Saints, right? I mean, the oh, Saints just love Michael Thomas the Saints, this season. The, yeah, they would the love to have Seahawks, him. if you want Russell Wilson to stay, sit in, the, sit in there with D.K. Metcalf. I mean, it's just. Literally anybody, any team in the anywhere. NFL. Yeah, <laughs> literally any team in the NFL. <laughs> yes, I'm not not even kidding because he's he's yeah. that good. So yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting because it turns out that um, they interviewed a number of the players in the Browns locker room, including free safety John Johnson the third and left guard Joel Petonio, and and they all kind of said they want Beckham back. They, in fact, Johnson said, "I quote, I feel like the majority of this locker room would love to have him in this building flat out." period. And so, uh, you know, I'm obviously I can't imagine Mayfield would be super psyched about this. It doesn't look like yeah. they have, like you said, they don't have much of a connection anyway, but yeah. um, sounds like the locker room likes him. This could be divisive for the Browns locker room. If he goes, you know, that they could be an issue. But then also comes down to the head coach and the owners that they feel like yeah. it's a distraction to the team, no matter what the locker room says, he gone. Yep. So 
Yep, yep, and they still they still owe him eight point three million dollars on his contract this season. So telling him to stay home would be a very expensive detention. Yeah, <laughs> That's all I can is. say. Oh my God, eight point three million. Uh, okay, well there you go, folks. There's a lot more to happen over there too. So let's hit the boxing bell on that one and let's get to Henry Ruggs. So this is absolutely horrifying. Uh, the prosecutors in the case revealed in court um, Wednesday that Henry Ruggs had an alcohol blood level of 0.161, twice the legal limit, and was traveling at 156 miles per hour in a Corvette Stingray when he slammed into the rear of a Toyota RAV4 um, after partying at a golf venue. Um, they, uh, oh, it was unbelievable. But the judge actually had mentioned that, uh, quote, I cannot recall speed that high in my career on the bench, although he then ended up setting the bail at $150,000, even though the prosecutors were asking for a million. Um, the RAV4, after being hit, was hurled 570 feet down Rainbow Boulevard, and Tina Tinter, 23-year-old Tina Tinter and her dog, Maxie, were killed despite the efforts of uh, people to free them. And it was actually said by witnesses that Miss Tinter was actually alive after the crash and actually couldn't get out of the car because she was trapped and um, ended up when the car got on fire, and that was basically the end of that. So uh, absolutely horrifying turn of events here. Henry Ruggs uh, obviously released by the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, and it would be interesting to see how this all kind of sorts itself out. But Trevor, any thoughts on this uh, horrifying incident with Henry Ruggs? Yeah, it's extremely, extremely sad. It's kind of, it's really un, um, not comprehensible. Um, just looking at it from a couple of different sides. First, from the NFL side, um, Henry Ruggs was what, the first receiver selected in 2020 draft, kind of had a yep. slow year, COVID and everything, whatever. And this year, I felt like he was finally getting that connection with Derek Carr, and they were making strides, and they, yep. they helped have the Raiders have a above 500 record right now. So just when his career is getting started, it's now probably come to a complete end. Um, yep. And then from, from just a human being point, along with the NFL, um, why are you at a golf venue partying at 3 a.m. during the season right now when your team is yeah. about 500 and you have a shot of doing something special? Um, yep. You're so young. Why are you going that fast in that car, drunk or not? Why are you going that fast? Um, why do you have a loaded gun in your car? You're 27 years old, a football player. Like, I, it's right. like I, I don't, it's just so many things to question and ask. It's just, like I said, not comprehensible. It's just very, very, very unfortunate and sad yep. that his career played out this way and, and causing the, the loss of a life of a young woman. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely horrifying. Um, terrible end uh, probably for the career for, for uh, Henry Ruggs, but also our uh, hearts and thoughts go out to Miss Tinter and her family. Uh, unbelievable ending there. Um, so let's go ahead and turn now to another topic, which is incredibly sad, and that is the Washington football team. They are incredibly sad. Are they not, Trevor? I mean, they are going oh into the bye week. The <laughs> right. Pathetic, yes, they're not doing well, let's just say that way. So I'm going to ask you this question, Trevor, and I'm just going to open it up here because i got a couple of things I want to talk about too. But is there any saving the Washington football team this season? And if so, what do they have to do over the bye week to get back on track? The only way they can save this season is if they win, like I, and Ron Rivera said it today as well, if they win three out of the next four games after the bye. And those games are Tampa Bay, Seattle, the Panthers, and the Raiders. Woo! So, yeah, if, we, <laughs> if they somehow shock the world three out of four of those games, then we have the last five games of our division. 
And we all know how our division plays out with division, like when it's against each other. Um, those games are very, very close and very good. Um, anybody can win. So, but that that's causing for a miracle. So, realistically, right. there's no saving this season. Um, I hope the competitive – the only thing left is to be competitive, show the coaching staff why you want to be on the team next year if you do or that you deserve. You know, it's just – the season's all pretty much done. Taylor Heineke, quarterback change needs to happen. Give Kyle Allen a chance since our season is pretty much over. We just lost Montez Sweat to a broken jaw for a month, so there goes – our defense, if we had any defense this year to talk oh, about. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is still has to have another MRI, so his season's pretty much done. So, yeah, uh, nothing. <laughs> I mean, we didn't make any trades for anybody in the trade deadline, of course. We haven't signed anybody. Um, our kicking game might be worse than what it was before we <laughs> let go <laughs> Justin Hopkins. Yeah. Um, it's just really bad right now. So, but hey. Yeah. We got Tampa Bay after after next after this Sunday. So. The Saints <laughs> right. with Trevor Simeon and Marquez Callaway. Who knows? Anything can happen. But yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Anybody can do it. Just need heart. Just need heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and and at least we know that um, Heineke has heart. Or maybe he doesn't have the skill to be a starting Ooh, quarterback right. in the NFL, but he has heart. So um, here's that. And uh, man, blew it. Ooh, boy, did he blow it over and over again. Three Ugh. out of five kicks blocked in two games. Yeah. How does that happen? And how does yeah, some kid, Ron Rivera go out there and say, we scoured the earth for the best kicker that we can find. And the best we can find is a guy who's never kicked in the NFL and had a 59% percentage in, in college. <laughs> what? That makes sense. Absolutely not. Right. Right. And not, and not to rub it in, but, you know, Dustin Hopkins, on the other hand, was perfect in week eight, 48 yard field goal and all three extra points. Maybe a change of scenery will do to somebody. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, Hopkins wasn't having a bad year. But, I mean, I don't disagree of getting rid of Dustin Hopkins. I think oh, yeah, he cool. wasn't working out. He wasn't working yeah. out. Um, so good for him. I'm glad he found another home. Um, bad for Ron Rivera. Go find an actual mm-hmm. kicker. There are actual kickers out there. You know, Dan Bailey's out there. I mean, there's there's other kickers out there. <laughs> Go get one, you know? I mean, anyway. Wow, what a rough one. All right, so lots to keep an eye on there for the Washington football team. Obviously, this is now a rebuilding year, seeing as how they made no moves whatsoever. Um, so we'll see what happens for the rest of the year. Just got to have to hold your breath and hope that they can uh, pull out a couple surprises. We'll see. Yeah, All right. The, hit the uh, boxing bell on that one, and let's move on to the next topic. But before we do that, let's talk about our other sponsor, Thrive Fantasy. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this football season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports and esports app for player props. With Thrive, you can eliminate countless of hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. And uh, they've given over, they've guaranteed $140,000 in prizes every week, and they've awarded over $4 million. And as we say on this show, if you're not Kanye West, you need that money. Go get it. <laughs> Go get it. Go, Go get, get it, it man. Christmas yeah, exactly. What are you up? waiting you gotta for? Got to buy some presents. Thanksgiving yeah. coming. Got to get that big old <laughs> exactly. meal together. Y'all need all this money. Come get it. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. You need the holiday money, folks. You'll get it. All right. Uh, use promo code GARBAGETIME when you sign up today. You'll receive 100% instant first deposit match up to $100. Download Thrive Fantasy at the App Store or Play Store or by visiting the website www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up, prop up today. Use promo code GARBAGETIME. All right. Let's talk about the NFC East Week 9. We're going to preview this real lickety split here. Let's talk about the Raiders at the Giants. The Raiders sitting at 5-2, and two, Giants at 2-6. and six. 
a tough loss for the Giants against the, believe it or not, Kansas City Chiefs. How did that happen? Anyway, they're uh, the Vegas, the Las Vegas Raiders are favored by three, and the over/under is forty-six point five. What are your thoughts on this game here, Trev? Um, they don't have Henry Ruggs, so now who right. is, who is their leading receiver? Outside of, leading receiver, yeah, Henry outside Ruggs. Outside of uh, yeah. Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller, who's he throwing the ball to? So right. Um, and the way the Giants play the Chiefs, I mean, the Chiefs are struggling this year, but they still are the Chiefs. And I figured yeah. that the Chiefs are going to have a, a easy win, bounce back win against the Giants. But they held on. So according to that performance, I think this is going to be an interesting game. But I think the Raiders will pull it out. Yeah, I think the uh, Raiders will probably pull this out. a way to lose all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And, you know, it's interesting because the, the Giants may be getting Saquon Barkley back this week, but then he got Jeez. COVID, theoretically. He's on COVID protocol now. So yeah. it, he may not get him back. But quite frankly, I, I think that they're doing just fine for who they have. I, I don't think the Giants are going anywhere, but they are certainly enough to be disruptive. And the Raiders are kind of hit or miss. Sometimes they're on and sometimes they're not. Um, so... Yeah. It's a little bit it's a little bit questionable what's going to happen there. So I, I do like the Raiders to win that one. Let's get to the next one. Let's talk about the Denver Broncos at the Dallas Cowboys. Broncos sitting at four and four. Cowboys at six and one. Dallas is favored by a whopping ten points over under forty nine point five. What do you think about this game? Um, let's see. <laughs> I'm going. Who are we talking about again? The Cowboys right now. And the Broncos? Yeah. <laughs> I'm Ooh. kidding. Go Dallas. Uh, Dallas is going to win. Not go They're, Dallas. I'll never say that again. I know. Dallas is going to win. I, yeah, the hate for, for the Dallas Cowboys is so strong, isn't it? It's just like it, it, it makes you blank strong. out. <laughs> it, it just does. totally makes it's you blank like, out. Uh, no, I was just kidding. Um, I, I, my heart and soul want to say Denver pulls the upset. But after the debacle of the game they played against us, and we still didn't win that game after they oh gave us with 21 seconds left, and we didn't yeah. catch in. Um, yep. Dallas by a landslide, and Dak is back. So yeah, yeah, it's a, it's going to be you know, and quite frankly, with uh, Cooper Rush, he actually wasn't that bad. <laughs> so no, it, no, it, it was really. You know, it's kind of shocking, actually. And it actually shows you how bad Andy Dalton really was. Because when Andy Dalton subbed in for Dak Prescott last year, the Cowboys were terrible. And then you get this guy, Cooper Rush, in there, and they're just about as good as they were before. So thanks a lot, uh, Bears, for trading for Andy Dalton. That was a really good move on your part. That's uh, fantastic. Great move. Great QB1. Move. Yeah, QB1. <laughs> I am right. Right. Oh, but they will never live that one down. All right, let's talk about the last game, NFC East. On this weekend, 4.05 p.m., Chargers at the Eagles. Chargers sitting at 4-3, and three. Eagles at 3-5. and five. Chargers, actually, somewhat surprisingly, only favored by 1.5 points over under 49.5. What do you think about this game, Trev? I think the Chargers get back on track this week against the Eagles to being the – well, back in the conversation as a Super Bowl contender or a deep playoff mm-hmm. run team. Um, they've had a couple bumps in the road. Justin Herbert hasn't been quite as good as he was uh, – at the end of last year and beginning of this year, but I think he gets back on track against the Eagles. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with that. I, I just I don't see. It's kind of surprising to me that the Chargers have been on such a slide, um, yeah. but I I do think that the Eagles' defense is exploitable, and and quite frankly, it's, it's surprising to me that the Eagles are even at three and five at this point. You know, they just don't really have yeah. the talent for that, and yeah. they've been. Uh, you know, they, they, there was a Jordan Howard sighting, so that's cool. I mean, I've always mm-hmm. been a Jordan Howard fan, being he was a former – he was drafted by the Bears, and 
he just came out of nowhere. I mean, I thought he was sitting at home watching TV and suddenly he's on the field getting touchdowns. And I'm like, where did that come from? So uh, there's that. (laughs) And Boston Scott looks like a superstar there right now. So, you know, but I don't know if that's all sustainable, honestly. And uh, we'll see what happens there. But I'm with you. I think Chargers get back on track. I think it's only a matter of time for them to get on my track. They're a young team in many ways. Herbert, obviously very young. And um, and we'll see. Once they get rolling, they are going to be an unstoppable force. So I like what we see there. I don't like what I see in the Eagles. And I think that the Chargers take this one. And 1.5 seems too slim to me as far as a spread. So that brings us to the end of the show. Hitting the air horn on the show. And it was just a little bit over time. Just a little bit over time today. So I feel pretty good. We're pretty good at this. You know, I think I think we really hit our stride here. We really hit our stride. All right, Trev. Give us your social media so people can follow you. Uh, I'm on Twitter at TrevStoresWFT, and I'm also on uh, Instagram, Trev underscore stores. I'm on Left the District podcast, Nathan Stoner, right here yes, on sir. Football Garbage Time with Hakun Wong, and me and George Carmey and the gang on full press covers as well. So I'm everywhere. <laughs> yeah, Trev is everywhere. You cannot escape him. And definitely check out Rough District and Full Press Coverage. This is fantastic stuff he's doing over there. So if you can't get enough of Trev on us on this show, go check that out. And I know you can't get enough of Trev on this show because I can't. So you'll go on and go and, and you'll follow that and go and watch and watch all that stuff and read it. Get it all. Get it all, all right? <laughs> so you can, you can follow me on Twitter at FB Garbage Time. And as always, thank you for listening and wasting time with us. Until next time, enjoy your NFL week. Good night, guys.